Wisdom from Above with Dr. Harlan Betts. Greetings, podcast friends. Welcome to Wisdom from Above, where we go beyond the reasoning of man to the revelation of God. We are focusing on the last days as predicted by Jesus' phenomenal prophecy in Matthew chapters 24 and 25. Today we're going to explore Jesus' parable of the servants as found in Matthew 24, verses 45 to 51. You may remember that Jesus had just finished challenging his disciples and all of those who would hear him to be watching and waiting, to be righteous and ready. Now, some people would have us believe that every believer is faithful and wise. Some people would have us believe that if a person is born again, that person will definitely live a faithful and wise life. But this is not true. That's false theology. You know, false thinking often clouds our perception of reality. But true theology fits with reality. The reality is that a couple of believers in Jerusalem lied about their giving. The reality is that believers in Corinth were being ripped apart by envy and strife and divisions. The reality is that some believers in a New Testament church were getting drunk at the communion services, bringing lawsuits against one another, and living in sexual immorality. The reality is that the believers in Ephesus were challenged to put away lying, bitterness, wrath, and malice. They were challenged not to participate in carousing, sexual immorality, filthiness, and coarse jesting. You see, just because a person is a believer in Jesus Christ does not mean that that person is going to live like a saint. Believers sin. Believers fail. Believers can be carnal and fleshly. Believers can backslide. You see, Christ-likeness is not guaranteed. Righteousness is not instinctive. Obedience is not automatic. This is why believers have to be commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Believers have to be commanded to pray without ceasing. Believers have to be commanded to be forgiving. Believers have to be challenged to press towards Christ-likeness. Believers have to be told to abstain from evil because believers could fail to be filled with the Spirit or fail to pray or fail to forgive or fail to abstain from evil. Believers can sin and fail and backslide. Cassie Bernal, who gave her life at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado, was faithful. Dr. Ed Tropp, a pastor in Colorado Springs, says, there were two backslidden Christian kids in that library while people were getting killed who watched her step up and give her life. 
Those two kids vowed never to compromise their faith again as long as they lived. And they weren't the only ones. This pastor went on to note that Christian kids that were in public schools in the whole area that had been embarrassed because they wanted to be cool and didn't want to stand up for Christ have all opened their mouths and there are hundreds of teenagers turning to Christ. There's a revival. One girl, Cassie Bernal, stood forward and said, I believe in Jesus. And what that has done in the hearts of the people in this community is unbelievable. And then he concluded by saying, Lord, give me the courage of this 17-year-old, not just to die for Jesus, but to live for Jesus. Did you hear what that pastor said? Some Christians were backslidden. Some were ashamed to stand for Christ. You know that happens, don't you? We all know there are believers who are ashamed to take a stand for Christ. We all know there are believers who want to be cool or accepted, promoted, successful, popular. Unfortunately, there are times when Christians are selfish and sinful and unfaithful. Sadly, that's been true of me as well. But I don't want that to be the characteristic of my life. And I don't think you do either. Every believer has the opportunity to live for Christ. And there are basically two primary possibilities for the believer when Jesus Christ returns. When Jesus returns, the believer can be found living a good, faithful life, or the believer can be found living a bad, unfaithful life. Jesus explains what will happen to these believers when he returns. It's found here in Matthew chapter 24, verses 45 to 51, in what we call the parable of the servants. And in this parable of the servants, we will discover some new truths and some powerful challenges. First, we note the obligation found in verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? The body of believers, known as the church, is sometimes called a household. Galatians 6.10 speaks of the household of faith. Ephesians 2.19 speaks of the household of God. As believers in Jesus, we are part of the family of God. We are part of the household of God. And our master, Jesus Christ, has put us believers in his household as servants in charge of various responsibilities. He has given us time and talents and treasure that we are to use for him. Now, the main responsibility mentioned in this passage is to feed those in the house. There must be milk for the babes, bread for the young, and meat for the mature. It's important that we understand that every believer in Jesus Christ is to be a servant in God's family. Every believer has some time, some talent, and some treasure that he or she can contribute to the family of God. And when Christ returns, we will give an account for how we lived and what we did with the time, talent, and treasures that he entrusted to us. 
This accounting will take place at the judgment seat of Christ. By the way, only believers will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. All of them will be going to heaven. All of them will have eternal life, but they'll have different results at the judgment seat of Christ. Option one, you can be found faithful and wise. Notice the servant's attitude and actions in verse 45 and 46. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. He is so doing. He is fulfilling his ministry. He is being faithful. Consequently, he is blessed. He is happy. He's loving, he's laboring, and loyal. And notice what the Lord says in verses 46 and 47. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, finds so doing. And verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. So the Lord returns, the Lord recognizes, the Lord rewards. The Lord returns to an expectant and ready servant. The Lord recognizes the servant's faithfulness in so doing, in doing what God has called on him to do. And the Lord rewards him. The servant is given an honorable position. Option number two, rather than being faithful and wise, you could be unfaithful and foolish. We see this servant's attitude in verses 48 and 49. But that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delays his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken. Notice this believer, this servant, is described as evil or bad or wicked. Romans sixteen nineteen says, Be wise in what is good, be innocent in what is evil. First Thessalonians five fifteen says, See that no one repays another evil for evil. Second Corinthians five ten speaking of the judgment seat of Christ, says that believers will give an account of everything they have done, whether good or evil. Step one here for this unfaithful and foolish servant is that he is wrong in his thinking. Notice what he is saying to himself. My Lord delays his coming. He's saying this to himself. What a man says to himself is often more accurate and more important than what he says to others. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And Matthew 9, 3, Jesus, knowing the thoughts of those who were near him, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? It reminds me also of the rich man in Luke twelve seventeen, who said to himself, Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. So the first step was wrong thinking. He's thinking, well, my Lord is delaying his coming. The second step was wrong action. 
Instead of looking to the Lord, he began looking to himself. Instead of living for the Lord, he began living for himself. Instead of loving the other servants, he begins hurting the other servants. I'll never forget hearing about a well-known preacher who lost his marriage and ministry. And when asked what he would tell ministerial students, he said, When you stop walking with God, you're walking on a precipice. In verses 50 and 51, we see the master's announcement to this foolish and unfaithful servant. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him, and an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him as a portion with the hypocrites, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There are really three scenes here. In scene one, we see the Lord coming. And it says he comes to an unexpecting servant. Now, none of us know the day or the hour that the Lord is going to come. But all of us are being challenged to be ready and to be right. What does the Lord want? Not the idle carelessness of this wicked servant. Not the nervous feverishness of some Thessalonians or the nauseating lukewarmness of some Laodiceans. But the active watchfulness that is described of the Smyrnians. So the Lord comes to an unexpected servant. Then the Lord catches. The foolish and unfaithful servant is caught in sin. He's careless, cruel, and carousing. Careless, and he's not looking for his master to return. Cruel, in that he's not kind to his fellow servants. And carousing, and that he's not controlling his, desi- his desires. He, he's found drinking. There's nothing wrong with drinking, but this person is out of control. As we noted earlier, there are two options. If you're living in sin... When the Lord comes, you'll be caught in sin. If you're living in righteousness, when the Lord's come, you'll be caught in righteousness. So the question we all have to ask ourselves is this. What's the general tenor of our life? Is it service or selfishness? Is it righteous or rebellious? Am I faithful or unfaithful. So the Lord comes, the Lord catches, and then scene three, the Lord cuts. We see here, he is cut in two. This is from the Greek word dichotomeo, from which we get our word dichotomy. The Bible tells us that the word of like God is like a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing ascender of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrows, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It cuts in two and reveals what is inside. I believe this cutting in two is an experience that happens at the judgment seat of Christ. It will be a terrible and painful spiritual experience for the foolish and unfaithful servant. Do you remember that uh, Jesus 
Mother Mary is told in Luke 2.35 that a sword would pierce her soul? That term was used to picture the intense anguish she would experience when she sees her son hanging on the cross. The term used here in this passage refers to the intense grief and anguish that a foolish and unfaithful believer will experience at the judgment seat of Christ when he realizes he's failed the Lord and forfeited his reward. And then we see that the Lord assigns him a portion with the hypocrites. A hypocrite was a a play actor, a pretender. And clearly the portion with the hypocrites is a place without honor. For the faithful and wise, there was recognition and reward. For the unfaithful and foolish, there is condemnation. The Apostle Peter wrote to believers who were experiencing intense suffering, and he said to them, Put aside all malice, all guile, and all hypocrisy. He was challenging them to get into the Word of God, to grow up spiritually, and to be real. No hypocrisy. That is, no masquerading, no play-acting, no pretending, no putting on a show, no trying to make people think you're something that you are not. I like the old computer term, wig. What you see is what you get. That's the way it should be in our lives. What people see is should be what we really are inside. There shouldn't be any pretending or play acting or putting on a show. So we see the hurt of being cut in two, the hypocrisy of being and being assigned a portion with hypocrites, and we see the heartache, weeping and gnashing of teeth, weeping a phrase used to indicate great sorrow and grief, emotional agony. We saw this in Acts 20, 37, when the believing elders were grieving because Paul was going to have to leave them. And they fell on his neck and kissed him. And they were weeping. Gnashing of teeth was a phrase used to indicate emotional agony or great sorrow or intense grief. This term was used in uh, Acts 7.54 to describe the thoughts and emotions of the unbelieving members of the synagogue when they were convicted by the message of Stephen. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth. There was great grief and sorrow. These terms do not refer to eternal torment in hell. These terms are used to indicate great grief and sorrow. So what have we discovered? There is coming for the Christian, the believer in Jesus Christ, a moment of true revelation at the judgment seat of Christ. You see, Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming for his own, and he will receive them unto himself. And he will evaluate their lives, their character, and their conduct 
at the judgment seat of Christ. He will look at the motives of their hearts and the nature of their conduct and the character they exhibited. This could be a time of exquisite pain and anguish, not physically, but spiritually, for those who are foolish and unfaithful. You see, the Bible in 2 Corinthians 5.10, speaking of the judgment seat of Christ, says, we must all, he's talking to believers, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, don't misunderstand this passage. This is not talking about eternal destiny, heaven or hell. This is talking about the judgment seat of Christ and reward or loss of reward. The faithful servant will experience great joy as he is personally commended and personally rewarded by the Lord Jesus Christ. But the unfaithful believer will be overcome by sorrow and rewarded with regret because he's failed the Lord and forfeited reward. Now, the Bible doesn't say this will go on forever. This happens at the judgment seat of Christ. In fact, the Bible says the Lord will wipe all tears from our eyes. The Bible says there will be no more sorrow or sickness or suffering. But please understand, at the judgment seat of Christ, it's too late to do anything about it. You may deeply regret the thoughts you've had, the words you said, the things you've done, but it'll be too late to do anything about it. If you want to be honored by Christ and rewarded by Christ, you need to live for Christ now. In this life, because in this life you are setting the stage for eternity. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't quit. Don't fall away. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't grow weary in doing what is right, for in due season you will be rewarded, the Scripture says. Commit yourself to being faithful. Commit yourself to living wholeheartedly for Jesus Christ. Call upon Him for His grace and power to live for Him today. Michelle Akers the legendary midfielder for the United States women's soccer team, came to know Christ as her Savior near the end of her high school years. Unfortunately, in college and during the years just after that, although becoming a four-time All-American, a World Cup winner, and being named the best player in the world, she forgot about what Christ had done for her. And Michelle hit rock bottom. And then she was diagnosed with chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome. And on top of that, her four-year marriage ended in divorce. She was sick and alone and disillusioned with life. Oftentimes, when you're knocked flat on your back, the only place you can look is up, and she did look up. She realized that she needed to get things right with God. And by God's grace, she got her life back into perspective. She began walking in obedience to God. She became faithful in her life. 
she began telling others about her faith in Christ. She began trusting God with her life. In time, things turned around for her. She played on the gold medal Olympic soccer team. She played on the World Cup championship team. She was honored by men, but far more importantly, she's living for Christ, and when he returns, she'll be in a position with those who are honored instead of with those who are hypocrites. If you want to be an honor to Jesus Christ, and you want to be honored by Jesus Christ, you must live for him now. It'll be too late to decide to do that at the judgment seat of Christ. Now this parable presents total opposites. The totally good, faithful and wise, or the totally bad, unfaithful and foolish. But in life, of course, there are gradations. In life, there are times when we do good and times when we do bad. We all have times when we make wrong choices or go wrong directions or think wrong thoughts. But the key is our heart. Do you have a heart to please God? Do you, as the Apostle Paul, make it your aim to be pleasing to Christ? Let me share a very encouraging verse of Scripture with you. It's from Hebrews 6.10. God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the labor of love you have shown toward his name. If you're trying to live for Christ, you will be rewarded. He knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows your words. He knows your actions. Even a cup of cold water given in his name, he will remember, he will recognize, he will reward. So I want to encourage you to be watching and waiting, to be righteous and ready, to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles you, and to run in with endurance the race that is set before you, keeping your eyes on Jesus. He not only wants you to come to Him for salvation, He wants you to follow after Him in sanctification. And by His grace, you can do so. Be a faithful and wise servant of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me for this podcast of Wisdom from Above. If these podcasts are helpful, please give them a five-star rating and subscribe so you get a notice of each new weekly podcast. Share this podcast with your family and friends. Share it on your social media. This is Dr. Harlan Betts wishing you a great week and God's blessings. I look forward to meeting with you again next week as Wisdom from Above continues to explore what the Bible says about the last days. Thank you again for joining me in this passionate quest for wisdom from above.